In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, how to achieve security awareness through social engineering, part one. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you'll learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I'm your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how to achieve security awareness through social engineering attacks. So in this one, uh, Jason E. Street, VP of Information Security at Spherney, S-P-H-E-R-E-N-Y, uh, joined me to discuss his, uh, his and April Wright's training on pretty much how to achieve security awareness through social engineering. April Wright was, April was supposed to join us, but unfortunately she was unable to. Uh, a lot of traveling for, for a lot of this type of stuff. Um, the uh, upcoming, some of the upcoming trainings for this that uh, you'll hear about is is going to be at um, Black Hat. And what Jason told me is that Monday and Tuesday are filling up fast and Saturday and Sunday has open spots. Uh, DerbyCon is pretty much sold out, but if you can get a ticket uh, for that training, someone might be selling it down the road when you know plans change. Uh, be sure to check it out there because they will also be at DerbyCon doing this training. And and really the training um, is something that I can identify with. It's it's I do a lot of lunch and learns as you'll hear. And I do uh, quarterly training with the devs where I, I, I stand up and pretty much present a security topic. And, and the whole point is to try and get a more security focused mind for a lot of the people I work with, uh, which are typically devs. And, and actually, we're having such a good time in these trainings that uh, other departments are, are uh, trying to get in and ask if they can join, uh, particularly at the Lunch and Learns, which, which I'm more than happy if I can reach more teams and departments with, with the training. Um, then I am more than happy to do that. So, uh, yeah, this is part one. We will have part two next week. And again, I am doing a different format. This one I, I thought turned out really well. In fact, uh, Jason didn't realize we were recording until about halfway through, um, which is good because we, 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 I got him, you know, more in a, we got a much more casual tone and, and uh, I'm really happy with how the podcast shout out to Jesse who had converged told me that he liked the new format. So uh, I really appreciate that. If you have feedback, be sure to hit me up, timothy.dblock at gmail.com or at timothydblock on Twitter. Or uh, you can go to the show notes and leave a comment, timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. And with that, let's get into it. Trying to, to, to work on technology and security. It's like I've been doing that for a very long time, building out infrastructure. And now I'm going into uh, trying to uh, repair humans. And it's like an educate them on security awareness and actually start patching humans instead of just machines. No, absolutely. I see that as a big one. That's I spent actually I spent a lot of time in my uh, job, like spending time standing up in front of people. I do monthly lunch and learns. Awesome. Now. That's the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's like, I don't know. It's it. I I see people. It's like we can solve only so much for technology. It's the people that like, and all they. It's not that they want to do a bad job or want to be insecure. It's just that they maybe just don't know any better. Oh, I go on a whole rant. My rant this year that I give my talk that I'm giving out this year, and I'm I'm doing in South Africa as well, is actually addressing that. It's like we keep trying to get technology to solve the people problem instead of trying to get people to solve the technology problem. Right. And and our biggest thing 
when it comes down to it, is that we don't want to face it. We think that it's over uh, overbearing. We think that it's something that's hard to accomplish. So we'd rather blame the users or uh, try to get mitigating technology instead of just saying and, and, and embracing the truth. And the truth is employees will do whatever is required of them to, uh, to maintain their job. It's like period. It's like management and information security for too long has never, ever approached it in that manner. We're saying, if you would like to keep your job and, and feed and clothe your children, you must do these things. You have to be responsible. You're not just responsible for calling security when you click on a link so they can come and restate your computer. You're going to be held responsible if you click on a link that shows it's malicious or you do something that causes damage. It's like if a delivery driver is allowed to keep constantly wrecking and doesn't wear their seatbelt and let, does leaves the keys in their car, uh, they won't last long. But we let users get away with that over and over and over again. So we need to change the paradigm because employees will do what's required of them, but we're not making it a requirement. Trust me, I can go on a whole rant on that. No, no absolutely. I, you know, amen, brother. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. And I, I see like security. I, I, you know, they talk about the skills gap all the time, but I'm just like, you know, what's going to like, what's going to happen is security is just going to be pushed to not everything, you know, there's still going to be security teams and stuff, but a lot right. of this stuff is going to be pushed to, you know, regular employees where it's just part of their job to point out security issues and part, part of their job to just recognize that and then seek guidance on this stuff. Well, that, well that's the whole point. It's like, cause I mean, let's face it. If you're on an assembly line and if you see a defect in the machinery and you don't report it, that's on you. If you're on an assembly line and you are doing things that are hazardous or things that could put the company at risk or put other lives at risk, you're going to be reprimanded. It's like I, we, we have to start putting real world consequences onto virtual events. Yeah, no, I agree. But we also have to train them to like recognize that kind of stuff. Oh, no, uh, that's the biggest thing because um, that is the, the, the most biggest part because it's like, uh, on day one, when you get a new employee, no matter what their resume says, no matter what happens, what do you do? You have orientation. You give them training. You give them three weeks probation as you teach them how your company does things differently than the company that they may have been to it, uh, in the past. It's like you train your employees. Uh, every employee, every employee that starts, you give them some kind of training. You give them some kind of understanding of how your rules work, how your policies are. It's like, but uh, security is uh, time and again, just constantly put to the side. And that's our biggest fault. It's like day one, they need to learn that these things are important. This is why they have to be secure. And, and I will tell you this right now, I 100% know for a fact that it can work because my last company that I worked for was a bank. And we had that policy. We didn't have port 80 to the desktop. It's like we didn't have... Um, we had monitored uh, uh, um, uh, browsing and stuff that was done through a proxy and that was done through a virtual machine that was like no snap, that was just snapshot and just re was erased as soon as you were done with it uh, through Citrix browser. It's like, I mean, we have like a huge segmented infrastructure and it was a pain in the butt, but people knew that that's, it was there to keep them secure. And another thing is we hadn't had a virus outbreak that's taken down any kind of has not impacted the company in over a decade. It's like, so it can be done. It's like, it's like people don't want to suffer 
and people that want to uh, put in the, the, the pain that it takes to actually implement these policies. But once they're implemented and it becomes a culture, you, you benefit from it. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I agree. That's, that's pretty impressive for not to have a major incident in like a decade. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not like, I'm not trying to be braggadocious and I'm not trying to say it is like, you know, come at me, bro, or a challenge. I'm just saying it was, we've got coders that code. I don't like any of them. It's like, they don't like me that much either. Uh, but I will tell you, and I've said this to the CIO and the CEO of the company, uh, time again, and in front of the uh, programmers, I've said this, they are some of the best coders out there. They code securely. It's like, and I told them, it's like, it's like, if it wasn't for them, our job would be a lot harder. But we've taught them and we trained them. So we let them know that security is the biggest, uh, uh, is just as big as uh, deliverability, is operability, and all those, and availability. It's like security has to be factored in, in their, their programming. And so they do it and they do it really well. And we've got a networking team that takes security seriously, that helps the infrastructure that builds out our, our security infrastructure. So it's, it's not impossible. And it's, it's not like a national bank. It's a regional bank. Uh, and they did good. It's like, I mean, they, I mean, it's a really good uh, setup. It's like, and we have to understand that it's like too many people want to just offset it. It's like, you know, they want to say that it's unattainable, that it's not going to ever happen, so we don't need to burn cycles, and that I'm tilting at windmills. And it's like, trust me, I tilt at a lot of windmills. Uh, this isn't a windmill. This is an achievable goal if we apply it and we get upper management buy-in to the process. And so with fear and why, it's like my whole job now is I give talks uh, at hacking conferences, but more and more I'm giving them to non-information security people. I'm giving them to CIOs and CIOs and users and people in different fields and banking, construction, and uh, a wholesale beer association once. It's like, and letting them know why this stuff is important and how they can actually impact their job in a positive way through security. So, and, and now we're giving these training classes and I'm doing internal training as well for security awareness. And, and that's my whole thing now. It's, it's trying to uh, patch humans. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's, like a, that's like a top down thing, right? Yeah, you, you have to have the upper, it's always, I mean, from the beginning when I first got my CISSP back in 2001, it's like upper management buy-in has always been one of the key factors. It's like, I mean, that's like, I think one of the questions on the CISSP, it's like, it's like, do you need upper management buy-in to the security process? Yes or no. It's like, uh, you have to get upper management buy-in. It's like, that. that's vital. Um, but that's also possible and attainable. It's like one of the ways that we need to work on um, getting upper management buy-in to the process is actually by um, showing them what threats are out there and giving them numbers. It's like, we go to them every year um, at the end of the year for our budget. And we say, uh, have you noticed that we didn't have any major incidents? We didn't have anything happen. Well, if you give us another million dollars for our budget, we'll show you nothing again next year. And how does that work with them? You know, it's like, it's the dog that doesn't bark. So you have to give them metrics. You have to like record all the firewall hits that you're getting, even though it's an obscene amount of numbers and stuff, you know, it's still right. numbers. Show them what is going on. Show them the numbers of spam that's going in. It's like what your filtering systems are doing. Show them the virus incidents that have occurred. It's like what your patching schedule is like. Are all your systems patched? How are y'all maintaining your change control? Those are all metrics. 
metrics are what matters because that is something tangible that a CIO or a CEO uh, understands. And it's like, and you come to the table with those reports and those numbers, that makes them want to do stuff. That gives them something that shows that you're not just a call center, that you're a benefit for the company operating. Yeah. Like, are you, so how are you finding time with like execs or is that just something where they're just reaching out and saying, we need this? Yeah. Most of the time it's literally going to, um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce has been really good going to, uh, their conferences. I've been giving talks at their conference and, uh, meeting with the CEOs there. There's a lot of CEOs there, uh, and, uh, talking to the owners of businesses there. Uh, which is really important. Um, also, a lot of word of mouth. It's like people will hear me at one conference, a uh, business conference, and then they reach out to me that they want me to talk at another. Um, and we're also getting more, um, we're trying to get more into companies uh, where um, they'll hire me to come in internally and I give a security awareness class to their users. And I mean, I literally do it tailored to them, uh, which is what I usually do is I target the company from a social media standpoint, from an OSINT standpoint, I show them all the information that I can gather from public resources and then uh, craft a spear phishing attack and show them how readily available it is and how easily believable I could send, make it just by, you know, an hour or two's worth of work. And that brings it home. That shows them, okay, this is why this is important. Uh, because that's always important. You have to show them something tangible so they understand that what goes online actually has a real world kinetic impact. Yeah, I've, I've found that same like uh, concept within my training, like the lunch and learns. It was pretty much how to be a hacker. And I think a lot of people expected me to like, here's the tools and here's the command line. But the first thing, like the first lunch and learn, which took pretty much took the, up the whole hour was like, well, here's, here's this thing called OSINT. Let's right. look at the organization. Let's recon it. What, and it, I threw out the question to everybody. I was like, what do you think you could do with this information? And like we talked about different, you know, techniques for, uh, crafting phishing emails and uh, some of the other stuff available out there. Yeah, and that's perfect. I mean, that's what our, our class is at Black Hat. It's like we're doing a two-day class at Black Hat, uh, achieving security uh, um, security awareness through social engineering uh, ta- uh, engagement or tactics. And, and the key thing about that is actually um, there's a lot of red team training at Black Hat. There's a lot of uh, training on how to break things and how to, like, um, hack stuff and, and, and go into stuff. But, uh, this class, I deliberately made sure that it was, it was not like that. It's a blue team class. This is for people in the enterprise. These are for security people who want to create security awareness programs internally, who want to find ways and methods to educate their users, to take security more seriously, including their, um, executives and upper management. And so that's what we do. It's like, we show them how to go through OSINT. We show them how to use, uh, social engineering tactics, not for compromise, but for education. Uh, we show them how to, uh, we actually give the class a Wi-Fi Pineapple Nano, a Bash Bunny, and a Packet Squirrel that they get to keep. And we show them how to use payloads. And it's not compromising payloads, it's educational awareness payloads. How to actually get their users' attentions when they plug the device in. Or how to use the tool to actually show people's phones and and laptops on their wireless access point, how to create these demonstrations that will create a real world impact on their users and show them the need and the importance of why they need to have security awareness and need to have these kind of things protected against. So uh, that's what the whole class is. It's like we spend um, half of the day, uh, the whole day 
uh, on the first part is actually, you know, uh, real world exercises and, and learning tools in OSINT. Uh, and the second half, uh, the second day is uh, doing a little bit more of the real world stuff. But then this, uh, the very end part, the very, the, like the third, uh, one third or the third third uh, of it is going to be about um, creating security awareness programs. How do you get up every management by into the process? It's like what kind of policies or procedures you need to implement uh, and things of that nature. And we, we show them how to actually implement it into their company. So it's not just uh, showing them like, here, go scare your boss. It's like we actually give them a, a thought out process on how to actually get uh, time with their boss, how to actually show it to them properly and how to try to get that implemented into an actual policy in their company. So, I mean, that I think that's one of the biggest things we need to do. We need to start uh, showing people how to protect things instead of just showing them how to break things. It's like, and so that whole training course is actually showing how to actually build something out, uh, not just tear something down. Right. No, and I love that. Are, are you focusing on presentation skills at all or anything? Uh, that's actually a good idea. It's like, uh, we might actually go through that. It's like, uh, and, and put some of that in now. It's like, I mean, I'll probably not give you credit, but I'll, I'll give you credit to your public <laughs> It's like, <laughs> I appreciate it. At least I'm honest about it. You know, no, I'm a horrible person, hey, but I'm honest. I don't, I don't, I don't need credit. As long as we can get good ideas out there, I am yeah, all exactly. for it, man. That, that is a good idea. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, uh, we should do that. It's like, uh, cause that's also important because, um, and that's one of the key things too, is communication. It's, it's communicating. Uh, these issues and these things in a way that an executive is going to understand because so many times information security, they have so much valuable knowledge uh, of vulnerabilities and threats that are out there facing it. And they suck at communicating it to the people that can actually impact that and do something about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's such a huge disconnect. It's like you have all this knowledge in all these different ways that you can help secure and protect your company. But if you can't get in front of your executive management and explain to them the, in the way in terms that they understand why this is a threat and why it needs to be taken seriously and why money has to be diverted from something else that the company needs to get it protected from, then you're wasting everybody's time. It's like you have to learn that they never, ever have to uh, communicate in ways that you understand. They do not have to go and learn um, the techno jargon uh, for um, security. They don't need to know what a SQL injection is. They don't need to know what a buffer overflow is or what malware analysis is. You, as the security practitioner, have to learn how to speak so an executive understands. You have to change your mode of communication. They don't have to change theirs because they're getting information from all these other people who are communicating in ways that they understand. And that's one of the reasons why we have hardly had a, a seat at the table. Is that because we think because we're right and we know what's uh, right and we know that this is important that people should just understand us and, and go with us and just do what we say. Uh, and that's never going to happen. Yeah, exa the exact language is just, it's an, I'm, I'm learning that it's just an entirely different, pretty much just a different language. Just like even the little nuances of things, right? Oh yeah, because um, the thing is, is that with upper management, it's like, um, they're talking in numbers. They're talking about risk. It's like we're talking about threats, and they're talking about risk. It's like what risk their income, what's the risk for their uh, the bottom line, their profit margin. It's like their enterprise, their intellectual property. That's what they care about. We're trying to eliminate threats, but 
we're trying to be proactive and upper management has always been reactive. So you need to, as a security professional, you need to make sure that they react in a proactive manner. It's like by giving them information that shows them why it's important to do it now. And, and at the end of the day, we also have to understand it's all about mitigating risk. It's, it's not about um, actually um, eliminating risk. It's like we can't do that. That's, that's uh, I mean, like I said, I tilted windmills, but I've never gone so far out there and crazy that I thought that I could eliminate all risk. It's like as a job uh, for information security professionals, we need to mitigate as much risk as we possibly can. Then at the end of the day, once we've mitigated all that risk, we then look at all the other risk that's left over and we see what risk we can offset, either through insurance, either through uh, SLAs or third-party contracts or third-party services that we can offset some of that risk too. And then once that's done, we take hopefully that very small amount that's left and we go to management and we say, here's the risk you have to accept. You have to accept this much risk. We've mitigated this much risk. If you give us X much more money, we can mitigate this much more risk. And then you only have to accept just this much risk. But there's always, at the end of the day, you're going to have to, to have, uh, accept some risk. It's not a game, a, a zero-sum game. It's never going to be that. And, and we come in sometimes into our business thinking that that's what we can do. Uh, and it's never going to be the case. And that's why there's a lot of burnout too sometimes. It's like because we come in thinking we're going to solve everything, we're going to secure everything, and it just can't happen. It's like we have to start understanding that it's about mitigating the risk. It's like we keep trying to build walls and we try to keep them taller and make them thicker and have, you know, uh, Paraguay pay for it. But guess what? It's like at the end of the day, it's like, where's the monitoring of the wall? It's like, where's the actual uh, response if something gets breached? We need to um, spend money and spend resources to build our defenses and make them strong. But at the same time, we should be diverting as much resources as we can for uh, monitoring, detection, and incident response. It's like, because the walls don't mean nothing if there's nobody on the top of it looking at the traffic going through the drawbridge and seeing uh, who's in there and who's who's bad and who's trying to smuggle stuff out. I mean, do you know how many attacks can be mitigated or instantly responded to if they just monitored external traffic? It's like traffic that's exfiltrating from the company. I mean, Sony lost 1.3 terabytes of data. <laughs> yeah. How do you not notice 1.3 terabytes of data leaving your network? That yeah. should be like, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a flag. I mean, oh, look. Uh, you know, five, uh, at least 500 movies just went out from one IP address from Bob's computer and accounting. Right. Maybe you should look at that. Right. Or, or there is, is a scenario, and I've heard of this from, from places where like the SOC did notice it and they notified the people and they were, they were like, whatever. Like they just, they didn't yeah. take it like seriously enough. And that's, that's where like your security teams don't have the kind of, I don't want to say power, but you know, the, the, I would tell you one of the best, best um, policies, the best things that we've put into place for our defenses layers uh, and a couple of companies that I've worked for, and I always tell them that it's going to hurt at first, is like remove all port 80 traffic going to the desktop. It's like, and going out mm -hmm. it, just directly. It's like, so what happens is you put in a, a, a web coat, a blue coat a web proxy, you know, one of those devices. It's like I'm not saying just blue coat, but it's yeah. the one that pops up in the uh, right. web sense or uh, one of these proxies. 
have all traffic whitelisted, not blacklisted. It's like whitelisted. You have to show you have to show a justifiable reason why your uh, user and your department needs to see that website during business hours, and that has to be approved by the CIO of the company. It's like, and so every traffic that does go through the web proxy is whitelisted. So guess what happens? Any malware that hits goes straight to the firewall because it doesn't, it's not proxy aware. It's like you go, it just hits the firewall. You get all these alerts that all this traffic is now communicating outbound on a weird port. Um, you, you look at the, uh, and when you show that prox, uh, uh, that policy and you show that every proxy rule is tied to a procedure and a, and a, policy and a, a business process, you will see a lot less traffic going on your network because ESPN, unless you work at, at a football franchise or something, doesn't need to be traffic going out uh, through the corporate firewall uh, or through the web proxy. It's like we do the, um, what we've done also to mitigate the, of course, you know, the screaming and the gnashing of teeth uh, is to actually put in uh, surfing stations uh, on e mostly every floor and in the break rooms, there are public accessible internet terminals with a printer attached to it, which we say we wipe every week or something like that. Surf at your own risk. We don't know if there's any viruses on it or not at, at the moment, but it's unrestricted internet access. Uh, go for it. Knock yourself out. Print your documents that you need to print out. Search whatever you need to search on your business on your free time. Uh, and but business computers are for business. And I think more and more as we get these mobile devices and we get these uh, um, uh, bring your uh, BYODs that people forget that it's like your business resources should be used for business. I don't understand why people allow uh, Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram uh, out on the network uh, 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 um, network traffic going outbound. Uh, that's not work related unless your job is social media or you know in a certain uh, field. But all that stuff should be monitored. And that doesn't make me any friends anywhere I go, honestly, but um, but it makes them more secure. Right. No, I, yeah, I'm with you. But I, I just think of like the healthcare industry and the universities. Oh, my gosh. Like, yes. like and I think you know where I'm going with this is like doctors and professors are will not stand for any of that. Yeah, they will not be filtered. They know exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Um, the uh, on doctors, it's like um, the way that I say that we handled those kind of things is you got to have a network that is uh, sealed off. That is um, a uh, you have to understand, uh, and this is the way I do it. It's like when we segment our network, we segment the network saying that it's not the internet that's hostile. We treat the internal network just as hostile. It's like so you have to. Uh, encapsulate your users and your machines and your networks so they don't communicate with other segments. And it's like with devices like uh, mobile devices and computers, uh, there, there is ways to like with Aruba and a couple other devices where you can have them uh, only connect to one mesh network to, um, and they don't go onto the other one. It's like um, for a doctor, you know, you say it's like all your phones, all your laptops, they're on this network. It's like you don't even get to see the network that the insulin pump machine is on or the uh, EKG machine or these other machines that are connected uh, on, on, the, on the network. It's like we hope that they're not wireless because, you know, they are. and It makes me sad. Uh, but it's like you, you, you have to say you have to segment that network. So there, there is a way where it's like 
you their risk. It's like those those doctors, those professors, certain users, CEOs, executives are going to be the risk. Uh, but that's also your risk model. And so that's not an unknown threat model. You have to make sure that you're also trying to mitigate that risk as well by segmenting them off on a network, trying to put policies on their devices. It's like trying to uh, filter the, the traffic that is coming out of their machines uh, so they don't jeopardize their network. Because I tell you, and, it's like, and I was actually in a change control management meeting one time, uh, and this was like back in 2004. This was like a long time ago. Uh, this was so old. It's like when the uh, owner of the company brought, uh, came in from traveling, uh, we had to update the DATS on his, on his antivirus through a CD. That's how old this was. And there was a discussion where I was arguing the fact that we should not allow him to connect to the network till we update his virus DATS. It's like we should deny right. him access to the network. Uh-huh. And all these other VPs and, and executives and stuff started laughing at me. And I'm like, y'all think that's funny? Because I promise you, the very first time he infects the network and brings it down, he is not going to be saying, oops, my bad. He's going to be saying, why didn't you protect me from myself? That's the question that's going to be asked. It's like, so you need to explain to an executive and to your, your, your boss, it's like, I'm not here just to protect my, uh, our company from outside threats. I'm here to uh, protect us from uh, benign uh, incompetence. It's like benign maliciousness. It's like uh, from ourselves. It's like, because sometimes it's like when we give ourselves this access, we can be the one that can do the most damage. It's like, so you have to protect your users from yourself, themselves or your executives from themselves. And that's not something that's a, a comfortable conversation to have. But trust me, it's like they will in the long run appreciate it and and understand it. And that's going to do it for part one. Again, show notes, timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. We'll wrap this up next week. See you then.